cometh. And I want us to consider some thoughts tonight from Psalm 91. It's uh, an anonymous psalm. We don't know, well, it's anonymous in the sense of a human penman. We don't know who that was, but we do know who the divine author was, the Holy Spirit of God. And I want us to consider tonight some principles that the psalmist here gives to us in this passage of Scripture that will help us to be ready for the unexpected. How many of you have ever had something scary and unexpected happened to you before. And it's an important lesson for us to know that when we are laying hold of the principles of God's word and the presence of God, we can be ready for the unexpected. It doesn't mean you may not be rattled again a bit, but you know where to go when the rattle happens, amen? And uh, so I want us to consider this this evening. I want just a a simple three words. I want you to remember as far as outlining this passage. Verse number one is what I call the declaration. It's the declaration of a truth about God. Notice what the psalmist said. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. How many of you have quoted that verse before, drawn strength or comfort from that verse uh, before? He that dwelleth, it's the idea of sits down. He that sits down... In the secret place of the Most High. This speaks of entering into the presence of God. How do you do that? You do it through His truth. Notice verse number four. He shall cover thee with His feather and feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust His what? His truth. Can I tell you that you're holding in your lap tonight one of the greatest keys to accessing the presence of God? Okay. Now, praise the Lord, you have the third person of the Trinity living inside of you. That's something we have that the Old Testament believer did not have. The permanent indwelling, abiding presence of the Spirit of God. But Jesus said in the Upper Room Discourse, it's through His Word that we have access to the presence of God. So, if I'm going to dwell in the secret place, I do it through His truth. And the psalmist says, the last statement of verse number 4, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. But then also, jump over, if you would, to verse number 14. Now, we'll come back to this verse in just a moment. This is the Lord speaking here, not the psalmist. Because he hath set, and imagine the Lord saying this, because he, God is speaking, because he, speaking of the psalmist, hath set his love upon me, God says, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath what? Known my name. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we looked at Psalm chapter 9. Keep your hand in Psalm 91 and look at Psalm chapter 9. In verse number 10, the importance of knowing the name of the Lord. And what does that mean? It's not just that I know Steve Graham's name or Mike Miller's name or Ron Capel's name. It's not just in the Old Testament Bible terminology to know someone's name was to know their character intimately. Notice, if you would, Psalm chapter 9 and verse number 10. And they that, what? Know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And I'm reminded of the the words of Solomon as well, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is what? Safe. So knowing the Lord, the Bible idea of knowing the Lord, go back to Psalm 91. The idea of knowing the name of the Lord is knowing his character and trusting in his character, knowing the reality of who he is, so that when I get in an unexpected situation, 
in knowing his name, I'm reminded of the fact, you know, he's omniscient. He knows everything. What I'm going through, though it caught me by surprise, it didn't catch him by surprise. Okay. He's omnipotent. I don't care how overwhelming this unexpected situation may be. It is not bigger than my God's ability to be sovereign. Okay. And we can start applying the attributes of God's character, his nature in a situation. And you can see how knowing his name will help us be ready for the unexpected. I think about Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. I'll just turn there briefly and read uh, these two verses. Some of you may have them memorized. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth. If you're going to boast in something, boast in this. And it's not talking about prideful boasting. But it's talking about the acknowledgement of a reality. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and, what's the next word? Knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. The application is this, is no matter what happens that maybe seem unexpected to me, catch me by surprise, it didn't catch God by surprise. And when I know him and know the reality of his attributes in my unexpected circumstance, I can rest in the fact that God knows and he's in complete control. And he is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And so those that know his name, the psalmist said, they'll be set on high because of what they know about God and their trust in that. When the difficulty, the unexpected trial comes, God is going to deliver them. He's going to set them on high. And so there's this declaration in verse number one. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But I want you to notice beginning in verse number two, the psalmist shows a determination that he's not just going to quote verse number one as a theological platitude, but he's going to apply it in his own life. And notice how verse number two begins. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I do what? Trust. And so there's a declaration that's a statement of a theological truth about God you dwell in the secret place. You spend time alone with the Lord. In so doing, you're going to be lodged under the shadow, the protection of the Almighty, El Shaddai, the God of the mountain, the God of the heights, okay? And then the psalmist shows us this determination, and throughout the rest of the psalm, there are five, I'm going to point out briefly this evening, of the psalmist saying, I will. I will, either directly stated or implied. Five things that the psalmist either directly said or it's implied that he said by God's response to him. He said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Down in verse number nine, the psalmist said this, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, therefore shall no evil befall thee. The point here is this, the psalmist and those that he influences secondly say, I will seek. Not only will I say of the Lord, in public testimony, he is my refuge and fortress, but I will seek the Lord. We move over, and then we also find in verse number 14, 
the psalmist had said, I will set him on high. I'm going to set the Lord on high because, or uh, pardon me, verse number 14, the first part, because he hath set his love on me. The psalmist said, I'm going to set my love on the Lord. And then verse number 15, he shall call upon me, the Lord talking about this one. And here the psalmist is saying, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to set my love upon the Lord. I'm going to say of the Lord, he is my refuge and strength. And then in verse number 16, with long life, the Lord says, I will satisfy the psalmist and show him my salvation. So there's this determination. But then I want you to notice as well in the last three verses of the psalm, there is a demonstration. In other words, there's a declaration about God and what he is. He's... When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You're going to have His protection so that when unexpected things happen, you're not out from under the veil of God's protection. The psalmist then says, listen, I'm going to personally apply this in my life. I'm not just going to say this is a theological truth about God, but I'm going to apply it to my life. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And then God in response to that, beginning in verse number 14. Notice verse number 14. God is speaking, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. And that is the first of six times that God says he will do something because the psalmist had said he will trust the Lord. Aren't you glad we have a God that honors our faith? By the way, the word is used there. Notice verse number 15, the last statement. I will, God speaking, says of the one who trusts him, I will deliver him and, what's the word? Honor him. In other words, can I say this tonight? You are not inexpendable to God. Okay? God puts a high, or pardon me, expendable. God puts a high value upon you. Nothing is going to happen to you but that God doesn't allow it. And in anything that God allows to happen to you, it will in no way cause you to be lost to his care. Okay. And so there is this demonstration. And God says in response to the psalmist's trust, I will deliver him. I will set him on high. I will, verse number 15, be with him in trouble. I will deliver him, verse number 15, Verse number 16, with long life will I satisfy him. Now, this being said, I want us tonight to just consider five steps in your life and mine, and I've already touched on these briefly, that will help us to be ready for the unexpected. When something happens that we didn't plan on, when an emergency happens, these are five actions the psalmist demonstrates to us that will help us to be ready for the unexpected. The first is, verse number two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. This speaks of a public testimony. Notice what the psalmist goes on to say. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. It's interesting what the psalmist is doing. He's not only speaking for himself, but he's also using the second person pronoun and he's addressing someone else. And essentially what he's saying is, I'm not just saying this is good for me, this is good for you too. Okay. And I want you to understand tonight that God is reliable for anybody that'll trust him. 
He is reliable for anybody. And so the psalmist doesn't just say, I will say of the Lord as it relates to me that he is my refuge and my fortress and my God and I'm going to trust in him. But the psalmist is saying, this is good for you too. I'm not anybody special in the sense of God will do this for me, but not for you. In other words, what he's done for others, as the songwriter said, he'll do for you. And so the psalmist uses this second person pronoun in here to help us see that there's a broad application here. Notice verse number five, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. In other words, those that are not God-fearers, some kind of destruction or pestilence may affect them, but God will deliver his people. He will protect his people. Notice verse 8, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, therefore shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And then verse 11 and 12, you'll recognize these. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, to bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Does anybody remember where we read that in the scriptures? Matthew chapter 4. The devil quoted this to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the wilderness temptation. But what did you notice about it? I'm going to read it again. I want you to notice something. The devil quoted verse 11 and 12, but with an, a glaring omission. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. And then if you read the Matthew 4 account, the devil then goes right to verse number 12. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He left out to keep thee in all thy ways, which is essentially saying this, for those who are walking in paths of obedience. You step outside of the pathway of obedience, you jeopardize the assurance of the protection of God. Okay? And also, the devil didn't quote verse number 13. Do you reckon you know why he wouldn't have quoted verse number 13? Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, serpent. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. It's interesting that the serpent, the dragon, and the lion are all three metaphors that are used to describe Satan in Scripture. Obviously, he didn't want to quote that part because that had been his own death sentence. But if I'm going to be ready, if you're going to be ready for the unexpected, we have to be one who publicly says, who commits ourselves. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. In other words, I'm, I'm not trusting anything or anyone else. I'm trusting in the Lord alone. And when I have that kind of testimony, that kind of statement, I can be better prepared for the unexpected. But I also notice... Verse number 14, the Lord speaks and says, Because he, the psalmist, hath set his love upon me. Can you imagine hearing a recording of this? We're reading a recording of it. It's interesting to look at the times where God gave an analysis of one of his people. Does anybody remember another instance in Scripture where God gave an analysis of one of his trusted servants? I'll give you a hint. Job chapter number 1. Remember Job chapter number 1? When the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? An upright man that fears God and eschews evil? 
Man, what a challenge. Can God say that about me? When God is describing me to the devil or to the angels in heaven or in a hypothetical situation to anyone, and in this passage of Scripture, God says of this psalmist, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. And so not only, if I'm going to be ready for the unexpected, do I need to be one who says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God, and I'm not ashamed of it. And when difficulty comes and the unexpected come and the arrows fly by day and pestilence is all around, will I trust in God? But the also one who is ready for the unexpected is one who set his love on God. Can I share with you a New Testament parallel of this? And we know that all things work together for good to them that To them that love God. This is a parallel. The Lord says, because the psalmist has set his love on me, I'm going to deliver him. In Romans 8.28, God says in his sovereign and good plan, he says that he is going to work together for good everything for those that love him. You know what? love will lead a person to think about the Lord is that he's going to take care of me. This may be a bitter ingredient in the grand recipe that God has for my life, but it's going to turn out good. The Bible doesn't say that all things are good, but it does say that our sovereign and good God works all things together for good. And so setting our love upon the Lord, I think about Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, the important statement of setting our affection on things above, not on things in the earth. And so when I say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, I can be better prepared for the unexpected. When I set my love upon the Lord, I can be better prepared for the unexpected when it comes. But then also... I'm going to go back to verse number 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. And then notice verse number 15. He shall call upon me. The Lord speaking here about the one that seeks him. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. And if I'm going to be better prepared for the unexpected when it happens, number 3, I need to be one who will seek the Lord. When trouble comes... When the unexpected comes, what is my first response? I will seek the Lord. And then two other things briefly in verse number 16, and then I'm going to close with uh, just a transparent account about, about what we went through. Now, the Lord has taught me a tremendous amount through this chapter. Notice what the Lord promises about the one that will trust him. He says, with long life will I, what's the word? Satisfy him. The implication of this statement is that one who says of the Lord, he's my refuge. He trusts God. And he's one that seeks God. And he's one that sets his love on God. As the psalmist said, and as the Lord says in verse number 14, this is also an individual who said, I will be satisfied with the Lord. In other words, I'm looking only to his hand for provision. And whatever he gives me, I will be satisfied with that. Even if it's not what I planned. 
even if it's not what I expected, I will be satisfied because God's plan is best. God's provision is best. One of the reasons that we chose the name Eliza is because the Hebrew version of the name means this, God is my satisfaction. God is my satisfaction. Another shade of meaning with the name is this, joyful. Well, how else are you going to be really joyful unless you've learned that God needs to be your satisfaction? And so one who says, I will be satisfied with whatever God gives, whatever his provision is, is one who is better prepared for the unexpected when it comes. And then notice the last part of verse number 16. The Lord says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation or deliverance. I believe by implication here as well that the person that is best prepared for the unexpected when it comes is one who says, you know, not only will I save the Lord, he's my refuge and strength. That's going to be the testimony of my life. And not only will I seek the Lord, and not only am I going to be one that sets my love upon God, and not only am I going to be one who says, I'll be satisfied with whatever comes from God's hand. But fifthly, the implication of this last statement in verse number 16 is this, is I'm going to let God show me his way of delivering. You know, how many of you have ever been in a tight situation, a difficult situation, and you've been planning on how to get delivered out of it? You ever been there before? You had a plan, you're like, you know, I'm in this difficult situation, and I'm, I'm like that. And maybe in the best and in sometimes the worst sense of the term, I'm a schemer. Like, here's this difficulty. I'm a problem solver. Okay, some of that's because I'm male. All right. But some of you ladies are that way too. You're going to say, what, what can we do to fix this? I remember hearing a definition of faith years ago that convicts me every time I think about it, and that is this. Faith is living without scheming. Faith is living without scheming. How can I manipulate? How can I work this situation to get it to the conclusion? Let me tell you something. The person that's going to be best prepared when the unexpected comes is the person that says, you know, I'm going to let God show me how he's going to deliver. Instead of my planning, my scheming, manipulating my way, I'm going to let God do the delivering. I'm going to let God show me. And let me tell you something. I love, I read this quote several months ago, and it In any given situation, the man that made this statement said this, in any given situation, God is doing 10 million things and you may be aware of three of them. Ready for the unexpected. Here the psalmist in the early part of the chapter talks about ambush. The snare of the fowler. He talks about disease. He talks about terror by night. He talks about attack by day. He talks about destruction. He talks about pestilence. He's talking about all of this, this wide array of unexpected, unplanned difficulties that can come upon an individual. By application, we look at our own lives and we know there are things that come upon us that we didn't plan for. 